Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Oh, oh no, what's happening? Welcome to the Midnight Film Review. <laughs> the Brian is throwing me off here. Episode 110, The Reckoning. It wouldn't be a, a Midnight Film Review episode if I didn't false start. That's right. At least once. It's the, it's the mouse click. So do, what, I don't even know what happened. Anyway, it doesn't matter. My name's Colin Smith. With me here, as always, well, except for when I'm not here. <laughs> Brian Stevens. We've <laughs> got a great show for you today. Coming at you. Live recorded from the basement. From deep, deep, deep in, in the basement. <laughs> deep in our room in the basement. What if I talk like this all the time? Like Nathan Explosion. Yeah, my name's Nathan. I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try a new most, voice. Most brutal gift of all, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're gonna open. Uh, Open, open discussion. Man, open, this is just open, open. off open, to an open. awful start. We're going to start the show by talking about some uh, some small media companies who are planning on merging and some shakeups. Yeah, you may have heard of them. Uh, maybe not. Uh, we're <laughs> going to talk about uh, Fox and some vague plans for, uh, you know, taking taking your content and data to the next level. Uh Vagu. We'll see what it's that means. Vagu. Yeah. Uh, Vagu. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. That's the French word for vague. Oh, okay. Vagu. Vagu. Vagua. Yeah. Vague. <laughs> That's Portuguese. <laughs> uh, oh, do we have media God. hot takes this week? Are, are do we? Yes. Remember, I'm doing the uh, special one. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Brian has a media hot take this week. I think I'm going to... I think I'm gonna abstain. Although I'm take a nap, yeah, take maybe. a nap while we, while I do it. I, I might cry for. <laughs> I don't know why for, for myself, Argentina. I'm. Sh- um, and <laughs> oh, man, God. I'm like manic today. Yeah, and me we're too. Gonna, we're gonna finish up the episode with a review of the wait, the disaster artist. <laughs> man, I can't. I can't even. That wasn't even intentional. Disaster yeah. artist. I'm a mess. I'm really like tired. I don't know why. I think it has to do with not sleeping or not getting enough sleep. That doesn't sound right to me. But, I'm yeah. not a doctor, but that doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> Whew, this should be a fun episode. Okay, wow. Um man, let's uh let's talk about some things. So Time Warner, Warner Brothers, AT&T. The <laughs> There's a there is a big sloppy merger that was on the horizon, and blocked by the the DOJ under the Trump administration, much to the surprise of many people. Uh, I don't know if I should say myself in, included because I would just be kind of I don't know. It, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised either way, but yeah, it was the right decision, which I guess is surprising. <laughs> For a different reason, um, yeah. So this giant merger is on hold. Uh, they didn't. They didn't take a step back and say, "Okay, we're going to uh, reorganize the the terms of the merger uh, and what gets consolidated, what gets sold, what gets spun out." 
they basically gave the DOJ the middle finger and said, we'll see you in court. And that happens in April. Uh, but until then, there, there have been some, uh, some shakeups at Warner Brothers. And people think it's kind of in preparation for uh, <laughs> getting ready for their new corporate overlords. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we had Kevin Sujihara took over sometime, was it last year? I think it was the beginning of last year. Yeah, and maybe even end of 2016. But, it might have been, yeah. Um, just in time to kind of deal with uh, the next round of <laughs> uh, underwhelming performance from big tentpole investments. But to his credit, I feel like he already saw the uh, writing on the wall because uh, he let, you know, Berg go almost immediately. And he brought in uh, Jeff Johns and... Um, Who's the other guy? So, uh, well, right now it's it's actually, so this is the other big news this week. There's one of two big promotions. So Walter Hamada is going to be the creative in charge of supervising the DC Universe at Warner. Yeah. Uh, from Warner's End. And he was, uh, I guess he was an, ex- an executive at New Line, who is a... Uh, Warner subsidiary, so I don't really know much about him or what he's done, but um, yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> it doesn't really matter because I have very little faith in yeah, the right. ability of them to move the. I mean, God, how many films in are we? How many turds in? Three big turds, a smaller turd, and Wonder a, Woman. One golden nugget buried in shit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a diamond. Diamond yeah. in a rough. Yeah, something like that. So I just uh, I don't even don't even know. Um, but we also had uh, Toby Emmerich. Yeah, Toby Emmerich, who was and he was a. I I know the name. He was an executive over there. Yeah, he 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 was. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what he did, but he he was already in an executive position. Uh, so this says was put in charge of film operations with expanded duties, uh, and uh, replaced the studio's veteran worldwide marketing and distribution chief Sue Kroll. So I'm thinking he just took over another position. Is what it sounds like. Well, I don't. It, yeah. Well, he's he, basically he's. Running the studio. So Sujahara yeah. should not be overseeing like the day to day. And he admitted that. Yeah. He said, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, not, he didn't say that, but. Uh, I mean, he said he shouldn't be as hands on as he has been. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess, and I guess investors have been kind of waiting for him to restructure the, uh, the top tier management over there. I, I don't know. I mean, at some point, I just not really sure how much I care about this. I just, uh, I'm, you know, objectively terrified of the this trend of giant entertainment conglomerate mergers. Yeah, buying continuing. each other. Yeah. But uh, it it just we'll yeah. we'll see where this goes. Well, I, the reason I kind of like I think that I see this is like maybe a good thing for uh, people who like movies, not necessarily for um, <laughs> the. A trending a trend that's going this way in the country of just huge companies buying each other and becoming 
these monopolies or these huge just machines of industry. Uh, uh, so here's my thing is it seems that Warner Brothers is going to try to clean up their books. So um, they're going to focus, it seems like, on on creation, on creating good movies. So uh, they want to make money just like anybody else. And this, what it, well, see, you you say that, and I know I know what you're saying, but that that desire to make money and not take risks is what has gotten us That's in true. this position in the first place. That's why we get more um, re reboots and sequels and spin-offs and adaptations every year and we see less original filmmaking right uh, and and the big studios are especially guilty of that or at least they're the big production labels if you owned by them let's say okay so let me ask you a question if you i mean obviously i think you you would agree with this um like let's just pretend like justice league never happened and there was there were three mediocre superman movies um, and we had a couple more Batman movies that were okay and a terrific Wonder Woman and maybe a good Aquaman and a good Flash movie, I think we wouldn't maybe have this bad taste in our mouth towards DC. It's just the fact that they tried to make Batman versus Superman and tried to parlay that into the Justice League, which just, I mean, it literally imploded on itself. Um, well, there, there, I mean... I don't. I don't know if that's true because they're very obviously trying to ride Marvel's coattails. Right. And if you look at, you go back and you look at the the previous iterations of Batman and Superman films, they were their own things. You know, they they yeah. all have they all have a tone, they all have right st- stylistic choices, uh, and they're not all they're not all good, but they're they're kind of. You know, separate entities with a a beginning and an end uh, that are demarcated, and now it's just it it feels like they are just scrambling to uh, what's the like ride in I don't, I don't even know drift behind Marvel. Um, yeah. Let, yeah. Just oh, ride good, their coattails. No, I, that's a that's a good. I like that. Like they're just. Drafting. drafting is that what I'm calling? There you yeah. go. Yeah, that's, drafting. That's that word. I knew. That yeah, sportsing. I like that. Drivering word. Yeah. <clears throat> Logan Luckian over here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, I agree. I see what you're saying there, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. I, I I think you're correct. I just wonder, like, if they wouldn't have tried to do Justice League, and they kind of would have just made these movies as standalones, would we view them a little differently? Well, but. If they just made these movies as standalones, we wouldn't. the The situation you're proposing would never have happened. Look at uh, Fair the enough. Superman, whatever the one was that nobody even remembers anymore. That wasn't that long ago. Um, the Man of Steel or Superman Returns? Superman Returns. Oh yeah. With Kevin Spacey. Yeah. 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 You, nobody even remembers that film. True. It was. It's a, lost. It was mediocre. It was a commercial commercial failure, and. They buried it. They didn't keep making them, right. uh, you know. I and that one had the benefit of like how many years since the last Superman film, and it's still 
perform the way it did. I, I just, I don't, I don't see a world in which. In a world. In a world. In a world. <laughs> <laughs> if, if without Marvel, DC is able to continue churning out these films. Mm, very uh, good point. I just, I don't see it happening. Very so. good point. Which is a terrifying conundrum. <laughs> Marvel, what hast thou wrought? <laughs> All right. Uh, I, do you have anything else you want to say? I don't uh, even know what we're talking about pooped anymore. Pooped on that one. Yeah. Um, so Twitter, that's the thing with... Uh, tweet, tweet. That, uh, chip, 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 chip. Yeah, that Donald Trump uses <laughs> to communicate with the American people. That's Is it, is it for anything else, really? Dude, that's what... I mean, dude, think. You've always wanted a hip president that used technology to communicate. This is what we dreamed of when the internet was born. Sweet mother. When Al Gore created the internet, this is what he had in mind. <laughs> Uh, That's a Black Mirror episode right there. An an angry narcissist eating (laughs) cheeseburgers in bed at (laughs) 3 in the morning and rage tweeting at people he feels like he's slighted him. Um, Yeah, so anyway, uh, Twitter, I don't get it. I'm (laughs) just throwing that out there. (laughs) But apparently, apparently, who is it? Is it Fox? 20th Century Fox. Yeah. Apparently, Fox wants to get it. Yeah, they do. Because they announced, I guess this, I don't know if they announced it before, um, because this partnership has been on, is ongoing. It's not yeah. new. No, it started last March, I feel like, or April, or uh, February. Yeah, so, uh, you know, every, I think everybody is pretty much numbed to the idea of signing up for a an internet-based product and having clicking a, a, a EULA somewhere and signing the rights to all your data yeah, away. Right. Uh, Take it away. Well, I guess this is sort of an interesting iteration of that. Uh, they have, Twitter has found, found a way to sort of do a deeper level of analysis. Uh, <laughs> And I don't, so they, they took user groups uh, and they, well, they took users and created two user groups, known ticket buyers and general entertainment consumers. We have no idea how they qualified either of those groups. The, the one, I mean, it doesn't say, but I would guess that it have to be some like third party like ticketing site maybe or like you know what i'm saying like there is so much fucking consumer data floating around uh, out of us uh i i just it's yeah it's uh that's why sometimes i like just really screwing with um their mojo and just going online and buying like a bunch of onions yeah because i hate onions and then the next thing you know, I got like a whole bunch of onion advertisements from like different websites, and I'm just laughing because I'm just like, "You're wasting your money, idiots!" <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, "That's why uh, when when your wife asks you what all the uh, the the animal genitalia dildos are <laughs> in the advertising results are are being shown to you constantly, you're just like, "Oh, I just I just do that to mess with their their advertising algorithms." Jokes on you. Jokes on you, Google. Take that, Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just let that sit in my cart for a few months. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... Okay, yeah. So Twitter... So, okay, Colin, the reason I, I brought this to your attention is I think it's kind of brilliant, actually. 
Um, I don't, I mean, Twitter advertising is kind of, it's not something that uh, people have embraced, particularly bigger uh, companies uh, that use it. Like they they don't love it. They don't spend a lot of money on it. Well, I mean, this is a little bit bigger picture, but my understanding, and this is, again, probably wrong and outdated, but Twitter is the most touted, widely used company that has not figured out how to fucking <laughs> turn a profit that I've ever experienced before. Like, yeah. everybody tweets. It is a... Yes. The second most ubiquitous social media piece of software or platform however you want to qualify it and nope <laughs> like nobody knows what it's for or at the very least and you don't have to have a twitter to go on twitter and read the tweets of somebody who's not you know like who's public i mean those those yeah so it's a no you're you've nailed it so i'm gonna pull a little bit from my personal life here so uh, my job is social media advertising and I went to, um, SMX two years ago and, uh, Facebook was kind of killing it. You know, they I mean, they still kill it as far as advertising dollars go on, on social media spend. And so Twitter was there and they had this big, um, demonstration about, uh, Twitter ads and like hardly anybody was in the room for the presentation. And when it came question time, I was like, so, you know, Facebook is really good about, um, it doesn't matter how much money you spend. Um, it matters like, like how your audience is defined and what you're trying to achieve with your ad. So I'm like, um, how does a small company compete with a company like Coca-Cola in the Twitter ad space? Like what's the best way for my company? Um, let's just presume my company is another soda company and I want to compete with Coca-Cola. Their answer to me was, uh, spend the same amount of money or create a better ad both of which if i am a small business i can't do i don't have the ability to make a better ad at least hopefully i i mean if i do then you know that's great but coca-cola has millions of dollars that they throw into advertising every year on trying to get the the correct campaigns down and and I'm just like, that's your answer to small businesses? That well, it's just a, a shitty way of saying don't bother spending money right. advertising on our platform. Yeah, exactly. And but So I think that a company like Warner Brothers, this fits, or sorry, uh, 20th Century Fox, this fits perfectly for what Twitter needs to do in order to make money. Because essentially what they're saying with this is um, figure out what ads work and what ads, uh, what movies to advertise on Twitter. And you're going to be able to spend more money. So they found out that from their data that if you had bought a ticket to Logan, you were six times more likely to talk about Logan, uh, respond to tweets, um, from 20th century Fox, from the Logan Twitter handle, uh, or somebody involved with the film and, uh, film Twitter is a real place where people have real conversations. I mean, that's a real thing where people exchange information. So I think it's a smart idea to start building, uh, an advertising uh, model behind what they're doing. They're getting a look behind the curtain a little bit. And um, I don't know how much this is going to relate into, because when you're already advertising towards ticket buyers, um, the only thing you can do is use that maybe to manipulate opinion of the movie. Well, I don't understand. <laughs> I, I just, I don't understand what this data, what in, I mean, there are obviously details missing here. 
But yeah. okay, so people that you know have purchased <laughs> people that you know purchase movie tickets are more likely to talk about the movie. How do you what does that have to do with targeted advertising or your ability to move those that that user group to influence the user group that may not have bought a ticket and i just uh, <laughs> that's a question that i, I think... don't i i don't i don't understand <laughs> this article i i don't think the author does either what the point of this analysis was the thing oh the thing of it is too is like i googled that article or like i googled googled it and that's like the that's the only person who's written about this like that i could find and that was surprising to me so the what the article implies is that other analysis similar analysis in social media space kind of ends up looking at whether somebody's impression of something is positive negative or neutral so the the whole point is that this allows them to see a lot more information process a lot more information than just those three right that that sort of scale uh they can see you know how often they talk about something the context uh the relationship of the people they're they're you know, talking about it with, uh, and, uh, but I think it, there's, <laughs> there's probably a, either there's a lot they are not revealing here or Twitter has a long way to go before this is anything. This means anything. I mean, don't you think that possibly they could just be both Fox and Twitter are just grasping at straws a little bit? I mean, that could also be possible too, is that Twitter is trying to find a way to make their advertising uh, data and algorithm make sense. And Fox is like, we want to figure out how to do a better job of advertising our movies. Yes, I I guarantee that's exactly all this is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know, you want to read some emails? Yeah, let's do that. Sounds good. All right, do you want me to start? Um, Where can the emails at? Well... If they are so inclined, they can send us a bright, shiny text word email full of characters to midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. That is correct, yes. Midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. What is our email, Alex? Apply directly to your forehead. (laughs) Head on. Uh, Okay, so... What, what is happening? We received an email this week from regular contributor Will. Uh, he says, a subject is the next couple of months. Midnighters, I'm sure you'll eventually do your regular episode top five episodes soon, and I can't wait for that. But what do you think of the upcoming months of movie releases? Oh, that's... With the exception of Black Panther, January through March is rough. Uh, always grateful for the midnight hour, Will. Should we just take his word for it? Uh, so That's rough. Is it rough, Will? I don't. I'm afraid to look. To we. Be I mean, yeah. Honestly, I am. Uh, do I even want to know? It's. Yeah, this is fun. This is a fun exercise. It, it, it makes me happy when we do this. 
It's an exercise. Uh, that's about all I'm going to give you. So the thing about at least January and February, uh, we m can probably manage to fall back on the last minute end of year Oscar bait releases, uh, which Thank is God. something we've done. We definitely did last year. We got a few in. I feel like there's more this year, honestly. Well, I feel I feel like I there it might be that, but it also I don't think that's the case. I think there's just less for us. <laughs> Dude, no, but Colin, think about this. Yeah. Hostels isn't getting released until the end of the month. Yeah. Phantom Thread isn't really isn't getting released until the 18th. Yeah. And the post isn't getting released till this the, the end of this week. I mean, those are three major movies that aren't even we have we can't even see if we wanted to well i i mean yes but it also might be that there are more movies there are the same amount of movies but the ones that are releasing late are ones we're interested in as opposed to last i year. mean that could be true uh i mean yeah, yeah you could be right i I mean, that's but, not even counting Call Me By Your Name, which I have no idea. I can't find it out at all when it or if it's going to be coming to Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, but uh, this <laughs> will this does not this does not look good at all. Uh, <laughs> right. This is really bad. Jan. I mean, January is just a an an abysmal <laughs> a barren wasteland. Uh, I mean, I don't know that. Actually, part of me really wants Proud Mary to be a great uh, yeah. black exploitation homage, but right. I don't think it will be. Me neither. Uh, then the the next week is there's just nothing. The week after that, fucking Maze Runner. Didn't they get? I thought they gave up on those movies. I know. So did I. And then I saw the or trailer. Is, wait, is that the other one? The Divergent one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They you're gave right. up on yeah. those. Actually, the first Maze Maze Runner, I actually kind of enjoyed. But anyways. Well, I've never saw the second one. Get ready, <laughs> get ready to end that trend. Yeah. So between now and February sixteenth, when <laughs> Black Panther releases, uh, yeah, there is just not a whole lot going on. Do you um, have any desire to see the fifteen to seventeen to Paris? Fifteen, the fifteen seventeen to Paris. So I honestly, the last Eastwood film I saw was Gran Torino. Hmm. Dude, it's been a long time. And I I was curious about American Sniper, but not... I didn't feel strongly enough to... I'm sure I'll watch it at some point. I didn't feel strongly enough to watch it at the time. Uh, yeah, I didn't see Sully. Yeah, I was not interested in Sol Sully. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm again, I'm curious... It just it depends on the circumstances. There's not a lot going on. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we'll see. See what reviews look like. Yeah, it's uh. And he, I, the thing that's interesting about that movie is that he used the actual people that were involved, not 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 actors. Sure. So I mean that's interesting, but I honestly like, I just I mean, his style has become grating to me. Well, I mean, I, I just, I don't want to, I feel like, and I hope this isn't true, but like he's moving towards this fixation on, you know, American, 
military servicemen hero worship. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Uh, or just America, American heroism, because Sully is about yeah. that too. Like, you know, him being a hero. Like, I don't know. <clears throat> um, but I mean, so it, that let's just say let's say that's a maybe. Let's say we're on the fence about that. So from now until Black Panther comes out February sixteenth, there it, it, as far as new releases go, there's a maybe in there. Yeah, uh, I mean, Death Wish on. March 2nd? Man, when's the last... I mean, I guess it's a few months away, but Tomb Raider is March 16th. Pacific Rim the the week after that. Ready Player One the week after that. So it's really not until mid-March. I'm not going to count death wish because yeah that's not dude, a when, when is the last time i watched an eli roth movie and right and honestly um red sparrow might be more interesting than the the jennifer lawrence uh atomic blonde remake i don't yeah, really know it's well i mean <laughs> maybe it's a more nuanced right film uh yeah uh, there so we saw a, tra- a trailer for that or maybe a, you'd call it a teaser it's yeah, been, it's been a long time. Like I, at some point, I was like, "Did that film release?" And we just lost it. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, whereas you have other films where, you know, like Tomb Raider, that I've known about for a year. And a tra- half. Yeah, there's yeah. a trailer a while ago, and I just have heard nothing about it. One movie um, you skipped over that I kind of didn't recognize the name of, but then I clicked on it because I wanted to see what it was, is Annihilation, um, which is. Alex Garland, the ex machina uh, oh, director. Yeah. Starring Tessa Thompson, Natalie Portman, and Oscar Isaac. That does look like an interesting film. And uh, yeah, I mean, I-, I loved Ex Machina. I thought Alex Garden- Garland did a great job. So, but that there's weird things about that movie too because he had to fight to get the ending that he wanted. And then um, they still cut it, gave, put out a different cut because that was supposed to come out, I think, in November originally. But. Um. Yeah. Thanks, Will, for um, making me have a shitty day. I just this is depressing. This this seems to be the reality of of it. Uh, where at some point there's kind of a slow early year. Well, actually, that's not true. Twenty seventeen. We I feel like we started strong. Maybe that's in my head. No. Get out and Logan. Yeah. But Logan wasn't until March. Uh, yeah. I mean, we. I think we did. God, how long have we been doing this goddamn show? <laughs> a long time. Did we do Son of Saul, like, catch up the beating last year? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't... Dude, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend Or was that two that. years ago? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> do we know what day it is? Thanks, Obama. <laughs> this last year of our life flew by. Uh, I'm just kidding, Obama. Please come back. <laughs> um, all right. You have an email, right? Yes, I do. Thanks, Will, for writing it. <laughs> Thank you, Will. Um, I have a, a longtime listener, longtime writer, Drew Masciarelli. He says, the force is dumb. <laughs> On a side note, I thought I sent this in the last podcast. I sent this for the last podcast, but accidentally saved it as a draft. Whoops. Uh, I do that all the time. It's, it's, it's a thing that happens. Me too. Ahoy, Brian and Colin. I've now seen The Last Last Jedi twice and feel comfortable saying that I don't particularly like it. 
Aside from the pacing and strange character choices, I feel like nobody is talking about the biggest issue in the movie, being that the Force is a bigger ass pull than the Eagles in The Lord of the Rings. Want to burn down a tree? Force ghost lightning from the sky. Want to fuck with your nephew? Well, you can literally force project yourself to death. Freezing to death in the vacuum of space? Fuck it, you can fly, you can fly your way to safety. It's like they're afraid of having high stakes and actually putting a character in perilous in a perilous position. At least in the original and the prequel trilogies, it was well established that the Force let you pull and push stuff, do mind tricks, and turn into a ghost if you were important enough to the plot. I've talked about this with several of my friends, and my favorite defense of the Force is the, in, in the Last Jedi is that it's okay because Luke and Leia are Skywalkers. Who cares? It's still lazy writing. On a totally unrelated note, are you guys planning to do a best of 2017 episode again this year? If not, I'd like to take the time to apologize for putting Rogue One as my number one in 2016. <laughs> that movie is straight up bad, and I don't know what possessed me into liking it that much. The South <laughs> shall rise again, Drew Mascherelli. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, Drew, it's good to have somebody, uh, somebody on board with me here. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, man, I, you know, I haven't even really thought about, because it's just the, the prequel films changed. <sighs> Metachlorians. No, I mean, not even that, uh, like the fucking choreography, like, mm, yeah, going from looking like you know broad broadsword fighting or something like that or longsword fighting to yeah fucking gymnastics you know <laughs> wushu yeah gymkata was a you li- know, 360 axle spin i just yeah i don't, the, know. The, I don't <laughs> know what you're saying yeah it just i so on one hand at least that aspect of the the force and force users was dialed back to something that I could enjoy. Uh, but you know, I think you make a good point that there were <laughs> definitely some sh- shenanigans. Uh, yeah, and I, I the Leah thing. I feel like it's not even lazy writing. It's Ryan Johnson wanting to mess with the audience so much he can't help himself. <laughs> like uh, like he wants to tr- he wants to yeah. subvert it everything. I I'm with you. I think see, I think it. I don't I, I don't think it's lazy writing either. And I think what maybe this is what you're trying to say is I think it's, it's too clever. It's too clever. He's trying to be too clever. Um, it I, I truly believe. Obviously, it's hard to say hindsight because Carrie Fisher is no longer with us. But if let's just say that she was still alive, I think even in hindsight, you would say that that's a good place to end Leia's story. Yeah, the it's it's really an annoying choice because you create this interesting dilemma for a character, and then you're just really giving the audience a middle finger, and it doesn't mean anything. Um, yeah, I you know I don't know I, I guess, the force is a good scapegoat. Um, there's always been some some vague stuff, about what or what, force yeah. users are, are aren't capable of. 
but I think I I think also, you know, having like having them interact with the physical world, having Yoda interact with the physical world from beyond the ether. Yeah, the, the, the that, this, I didn't this... really think about the implications of that, but that's kind of. Yeah, he, you're right. Uh, th- I mean, <laughs> that's that's a fucking rabbit hole right there. Yeah, that so really what, is. When then, so do only Jedi, do only good Force users get to ascend? What about all the Sith? If if you could still like be powerful enough to interact with the physical world after, you know, that's after troubling. death, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't the is maybe? Hey, we just cracked the code. That's the revelation for, for the, uh, the end of this trilogy oh, is it's shit. really been a Sith Lord, so powerful, <laughs> he's running the Empire oh. from beyond the grave. Dude, I, if Yoda can do it, then I, dude, somebody else can do it. The thing is, I think you might that he might be onto something. That I mean, as far as you know, like dumb reveals go, that's not the dumbest thing you've ever heard, is it? No, it's not, man. Uh, <laughs> Drew, do you see what you've done? And the thing is that there there is precedent in the there's now it, yes yeah. now there it, now it's in the film that it can happen. Oh, that's flabbergasting. And and so um, to answer your other questions, uh, we will be doing a top episode of the year, hopefully rather soon. Listen, I don't know about you, Colin. I really wanted to see Hostels and Phantom Thread. I don't think we're gonna wait long enough to see Hostels, but. I'm, I think maybe the week after Phantom Thread. Uh, I, st- I still want to see uh, I want to see Ladybird, and that's I, I mean I'll see Phantom Thread. I want to say I'll just say like two weeks, probably in two weeks we'll probably do it. Sometime before the Oscars. Yeah, exactly. Also known as those other Golden Globes. <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about the Golden Globes. That's a good. Why did we not think of that? Um, I mean, the, you know why we didn't think of that? Yeah, because it's the Golden Globes. Um, sick burn. On a side note, a little bit somber this year. Not as funny. People weren't as drunk as they normally are. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, good speeches though. A lot of good speeches, and um, Oprah declaring her presidential run. I swear to God, I'll blow my fucking brains out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I'll blow my fucking brains out. He's dead serious, guys. But if he I, does, we'll do it live on the show. Live recorded. <laughs> With all the audio you could ever hope for. I just, I don't. Easy, Colin. You know what? Easy, Colin. Let's just not even go there. All right. uh, Yeah. So I think that's going to do it for open discussion, right? Please. Midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Send us your emails. Send us your top 10 lists. We'll read them on the air. Uh, Two weeks. That's what we're saying right now. Hopefully within two weeks. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) Totally. All right. We'll we'll be right back with a, a media hot take from Brian. And we're back with Media Hot Take. You said fired up. Immediately, my brain goes, Brood War. Really? Yeah, it's one of the uh, one of the unit sound bites for Fire Bats. Terror unit. Ready to burn. Fired uh, up. Fired up. I can't quite get it. I just think of the Modest Mouse song, Fired up. Fired up. <laughs> Got a light. <laughs> um, so... Again, we like to, media hot takes are hot takes on media. So things that are wait, no, no, no that's not right. What? 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, tricky Colin. Tricky yeah. fucking Colin. Uh, so media hot takes are generally um, about movies or TV. Give us, a, you know, movies that we don't necessarily want to review or TV shows that we're, you know, we don't review a lot of TV shows. I think Stranger Things has been the only show <clears throat> that we've reviewed that wasn't a movie. Um, but I want to do a media hot take on an, on an app. No, so don't don't act like you're heading into unprecedented territory, okay? <laughs> I did the first app media hot. You take did that way is... back in 2017, probably. I don't know. Uh, yeah, was it 2017? Maybe 20, 2016 or 2017. It was sorcery. You, sorcery. Games. You you actually did. That is true. I I apologize for. No, trying... I'm just being a dick. It's fine. No, I'm trying to steal your thunder, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> you Colin. weren't. You weren't at all. Um, you weren't at all. So. There's this app that's kind of catching the internet by storm, and um, it's caught me up, and that's uh, HQ Trivia. Um, Colin, outside of me, have you heard of, of HQ Trivia? I, I won't shut up about it. I, I really have not. <laughs> so, I, I Googled it when you asked me if I knew what it was. Okay. So... I don't, I'm trying to find out when it was launched. Did you find out? Did you know when it was launched? Well, it was... It was launched on iOS initially. Yeah. And it just, I know it just made its uh, Android platform debut. Right? Yeah. I think at the beginning of the year it okay. was, was the first time that it, it popped up. But you're a dirty cultist, so that doesn't really matter to you now, does right. it? Right. No, it doesn't. Um, but so this past Sunday was a huge milestone uh, for the app because it had over 1 million players. So how this app works, you download the app, you give them, you submit your phone number, um, and then you play a game that's live, hosted by a real live game show host. Um, and there's 12 questions, and each question gets you closer to a share of the prize money. So uh, typically it's $2,000, and whoever gets to that final question and answers it right gets a share. So if it's you and one other person, you split $2,000. If it's you and uh, 300 people, then you split $2,000. Um, but the questions are so hard, Colin. So hard. Um, you can get extra lives. You can use one extra life per show. But the only way to get an extra life is to have someone who has n not signed up for the game yet to sign up and use your code that you send them. Um, so it's a way to gain followers, but also give yourself a shot at more money or to stay in the money. Um the game show host is Scott Rogowski. Um, and so according to this uh, this article I'm reading right here from um, the Daily Mail, he, he's become like kind of a cult figure. He like it's kind of the anti Alex Trebek in a lot of ways. Um, he's funny, but he's also annoying and like over the top. And his he he's gotten so many Twitter followers just from hosting the show, so this is the brainchild of uh, Russ Yusupov and Colin Kroll from Vine. Um, so they've taken all their, all their Vine money and rolled it into this this app. Um, th dude, this is fun. So three p.m. and nine p.m. every day, there are games, um, and it's. I, like I'm at work and I have my I, I have my alerts set up and it's like HQ going live in five minutes and I'm like oh crap I gotta shut my door and pretend like I'm on a phone call so I can play this trivia game um, but man is it lots of fun it's so much fun I mean 
Where else are you going to get to play for money for free, Colin? Nowhere. The, here's here's the downside. Yeah. The downside is they've really struggled. The game has been really glitchy. So, for instance, the night they gave away the $10,000 prize this Sunday, uh, the first question was, um, what is an Americano? The answer is coffee and water. I clicked the right answer, and guess what? I was eliminated. Me and about 4,000 people who clicked the right answer. So yeah, that could, be a, that could be a problem. <laughs> so, yeah, there's still bugs to work out. There's still things that they're – it lags sometimes. Um, there was an instance yesterday where the question just disappeared, and the host – was kind of funny because she's kind of like – she was filling in for the main host, and uh, he's like – she's like, I don't know what the question is. So there's 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 some problems, but um, yeah, I think I think this is going to be an app that sticks around for a little while. If they can figure out how to monetize it, how to inject advertising into this without losing followers, without you know losing the captive audience that it creates, um, would you be interested in playing this or using this app? I mean, maybe not. I just I don't know. I I feel like scheduling my time around an event like this it kind of gives me a PS- PTSD flashbacks to my days of MMO gaming uh you know fucking wow scheduled wow events or playing the auction house or you know just all sorts of shit <laughs> fucking re- like timer timer resets and uh anyway yeah i don't know it just maybe but probably not see i i um two things i guess yeah one is uh it did kind of give me a throwback feeling of like um when uh there was much must watch tv like and you couldn't record tv or like you had to have a vhs to record it like oh i got it like my show's on i gotta get home you know like i gotta get on my phone but the other thing was like it was fun it's fun to play with my wife you know um we'll play it together and uh i don't know i think that it's a to me it's a cool idea and it's um it's something different and i'm surprised it took this long to get something like this interactive where you have a live interactive audience that's captive playing a game and trying to win money and i like trivia if you like trivia it's fun You'll get to learn things like Arnold Schwarzenegger's first movie, which totally surprised me. Uh, if you've heard of Hercules in New York, then you would have got the answer right, uh, which I did not. But uh, yeah, that's my media hot take. Uh, do you remember? Uh, do you remember One Verse One Hundred? Um, yes, I think so. On Xbox Live. Yes. I mean, so, I never played it, but I, I've heard. I heard of it. That that's the like I I remember just like hanging out with friends and just chilling and we would you know throw on whenever it came on throw on one verse 100 and i i think that is kind of oddly similar to what this is except you know we didn't take it seriously or everything we were going to win and i don't even remember what the prizes were was it there was like free games or something. yeah but well I, but I'd... you like you had to be selected as the one and then everybody yeah. else was really the yeah. audience and but yeah, that was kind of fun. Uh, I just, I don't know. I'm like so busy. I, like I should be in bed asleep by <laughs> 9, nine o'clock. o'clock. Yeah. I, I probably won't be, but I should be. Oh. Um, that, that's my media hot take. You ready to 
do some disaster artists? Yeah, let's uh, let's move on. We will be right back with our spoiler our spoiler free review of uh, the disaster artist. And we're back with our spoiler-free review of the Disaster Artist, based based on a movie that came out 18 years ago. I, saying, I don't, I didn't think about this. I, can we do a spoiler-free review of the Disaster Artist? Does that mean we don't talk about the ending of the room? Or <sighs> I don't know, man. Like that's yeah. So this movie is about. An unlikely friendship between a young aspiring actor named Greg Sistero and a strange, <laughs> a very strange man he meets <laughs> named Tommy Wiseau. Uh, their friendship and the movie that the, they end up creating together, more or less. Mostly Tommy. Yeah. But also Greg. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, I, man, I feel like we could just talk about Tommy Wiseau for, like, a long time. If, <laughs> right, uh, yeah, yeah. If we had all the, you know, the information in front of us. So, The Disaster Artist is actually uh, James Franco's adaptation of a book by the same name. Uh, it, it was adapted by Scott Neustadter and Michael Weber. And what what else has James Franco directed? I know he did Spring Breakers. Um, good question. Let me right figure that or, out. No, he just starred in Spring Breakers. And that was yeah. That was uh, he's directed 30, 30? He's directed something we know of. Uh, wow, thirty some different. So he's done a lot of TV. Um, well, I've never heard of Child of God. Was I think As I Lay Dying? He did so the book As I Lay Dying. He transcribe that into a movie um transcribed uh turn that into a movie i most of this stuff he's done a lot of shorts he's done um a lot of tv um he's done quite a bit of direction but it's all been usually behind the guise of television and then some movies like the institute which i've never heard of he directed yeah i get uh... which has a four on on imdb which we were just talking about heard of the some of these things he directed in dubious battle yep and also starred never even heard of no me neither uh yeah the institute (laughs) four uh okay cool so man that's a decent cast i guess well you could say this is his first his breakthrough directorial yeah yeah you'd film I, mean, I don't i don't know i don't know this his his, best his, received yeah his his first mainstream there you go sure whatever uh so james franco directed it that was a really long unnecessary <laughs> tangent but it's adapted uh from a book that greg sistero wrote about his relationship with tommy and the making of this film making of the room which is maybe the the american uh, it's the american cult movie of our generation i think we can say that yeah i agree Uh, i can't think of anything that comes close to that it's 
a lot of me uh, a lot of cult films are niche because of like limited appeal but they, they also are you know violent or yeah. they're what's they're, the more genre, genre films? yeah they're they're genre films uh just like by virtue of their nature they're yeah. never even if they're cult classics they're not going to appeal to everybody the room is just it's not it's like it's not it's not offensive it it's not a genre film <laughs> at all because it's I mean, other than saying it's a a drama that's really an unintentional comedy, like I don't even know what there's no no film like it has ever been made in earnest. Uh, but it's something that you like people you would not have not expect to have seen it may have seen right. or may appreciate the room. Uh, that's a yeah. It ha, it has appealed beyond I think a lot of other cult films. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if <laughs> I, this is weird, we're doing a podcast about a movie based on a book <laughs> about the making of a movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so should we review the movie? Should we talk about like? I mean, I think that um, yeah. I mean, I think that you pretty much summed up everything there is. I mean, if you don't know what the room is, then um, then maybe you should try to figure that out first. Um, yeah. This. So here's here's something I found interest, interesting. I thought this film was going to be maybe more irreverent or farcical than mm-hmm. it was. Uh, and this is actually a very conventional film. Yeah. That I think I didn't expect the the writers and James Franco to treat it with as much respect uh, as they did. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like it's kind of you know heartwarming in in how it moves along it's it's predictable but i i think like a lot of people could see this and still find it funny without having any context i agree yeah as long as you understand that the room was a real movie that was made yeah and exists and you know that this is a i mean probably not 100 percent accurate as far as some of the scenes, right? Are, yeah, you but, know, who knows? I mean, at least, but as true as you can probably, yeah, get. And uh, you know, everything on set was <clears throat> <laughs> that. That part was probably accurate. Yeah, so. right. And uh, so, I guess just to talk about this movie a little bit, like, yeah. I loved this movie a lot. Like, I really enjoyed it. And you said it's heartwarming, and it is. It's not a tearjerker by any means. But it really gives you, there's a sense of like, these characters are flawed. Tommy Wiseau is a flawed character. and But he has a dream, and it's the American dream of coming to this country as an immigrant, wanting to be successful. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau is from New Orleans. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> okay. Good. All right. Spoiler did, alert. Did we settle that? <laughs> um, just But just trying to achieve a dream and doing 
everything you can to get there. And even though the results at the time were not what he wanted, um, seeing him on stage at the Golden Globes this Sunday, for me, it was like, I like I got a little choked up. Like, I, didn't, I wasn't going to burst out in tears, but it's like, here's a guy who, like, was literally crapped on for his... He does. He doesn't have a lot of, of um, awareness. Self awareness yeah. is not one of his strong suits. But at the same time, like he never gave up. And twenty was it? Twenty years later, fifteen years Eight, later, eighteen years, 18 later, years yeah. later, his movie is is just announced today that it's getting a wide release in theaters because of this movie and because of you know james franco and but i mean that i don't know there's just this whole story i think franco does a good job of uh of of being tommy was so um first of all he nails the accent i think um it, there's definitely you can tell franco's still back there but um i don't know i just really appreciated this movie i thought he did a great job uh with, with, with directing i thought the score was tremendous I thought that the um, soundtrack was great, and I thought like um, first for those of who of us who enjoy movies and uh, understand like movie making, um, there's lots of like tidbits of humor behind there. Like uh, there's one scene in particular when he goes and, and meets Hannibal Burris and um, who's the other guy in that scene? I can't remember. Mine's from Blank. Um, and they, they're going to buy the camera off of him like that that scene I mean you, just to understand like he doesn't know what he's doing but he's going to make a film um, yeah I don't know I thought this movie was really endearing and uh, I, I, I thought it was hilarious too I thought it was funny it had heart um, you don't see a lot of movies like this being made in Hollywood <laughs> you don't see a lot of movies like <laughs> The Room being made in Hollywood true true yeah so uh I I thought this this film was very solid all around. It uh it was funny. It wasn't it wasn't as ridiculous as I thought it was going to be, but I I think that was good because it yeah. ends up being more approachable because of that. And I I kind of liked the 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 way it focused on Greg as a character. Uh, not necessarily on just on the making of the yeah. film, the room, or something like that. And that gave it a little bit more heart too. I feel like, and that it made both Tommy and Greg flawed because yes. I think it could have gone the other, gone into you know farce or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. So this, it, I enjoyed it. it. Was approachable. How, how many comedies have we seen this year? Like not a whole lot. You know, I was looking over my my list and. <sighs> I mean, get out. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, joke. Uh, taking a shot at the Golden Globes. Um, no, not very many, and not good ones. <laughs> like not like The Martian, anyway. Yeah, nothing yeah. that hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, no, I mean, like this is the closest I think we came to a funny, good comedy this year. If we went back through our list, I'm sure we'd find something else. But this, the fact that I can't remember anything, well. That's not a guarantee. I think is probably pretty indicative of this. This. I mean, this is the best comedy of the year. I. Th I think. Yeah. Could be wrong, but it 
No, you're you're not. I mean, like yeah, it's and the other thing is it's not too long. No, it it like the the pacing is good. It doesn't dwell. I I feel like it doesn't dwell on anything. It doesn't need to dwell on. Uh, you don't spend. You don't even spend too much time, really, in the production of the film. No, uh, which is I didn't expect. Yeah, that. I thought I thought they would drag it out more. And I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this, and I, I think that there is something here for everybody. It's just people who are familiar with the room are going to appreciate it at a level that yeah. uh, the an audience who is not familiar with the room won't. Yeah, I agree with that. I, but I, I also think that, like, if you... I don't know. To me, this is, like, really a story about the American dream. Like, I really wholeheartedly believe that like this is a, a movie about what why are you yeah i mean yes and no because i feel like the american dream is not necessarily to like be what you want to be i feel like it's to be successful at being what you want to be and tommy was so okay yeah, fair first enough. of all had was a multi-millionaire before he ever bothered to try and right. do this and second of all he wasn't successful in the way he Intended. envisioned. Yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> so it's, it. I mean, it's it's a, maybe it's a subversion of the American dream or a, a version it, of the American it, it, dream. That's yeah, a good I guess, yeah. He, he fails upwards, upward in a way. He did. But like, I don't know. To me, that's just really endearing. Like, I, like, to see somebody have a dream and then chase it and to fail so miserably but at the same time succeed yeah eventually like that to me and to know that this guy is a real life person and like he just comes off as like even though he has zero self-awareness he seems so genuine um and he, he he's not honest that's the thing yeah is there's a difference between him being genuine and honesty because you'll find out like in the movie and in just in life any kind of research he lies a lot he hides a lot. He's very mysterious on purpose, and um, he's very manipulative. But at the same time, like he, I believe he is genuine. Um, when he cares about someone, it, it feels like he cares about them to a fault. And he's very insecure. Um, and all that came out in the movie. And I just I think that James Franco did a great job in this. I So I do, too. I don't know. There were a few scenes where I felt like... And this is maybe a shitty criticism. I felt like instead of watching James Franco play Tommy Wiseau, I was watching James Franco do a Tommy Wiseau impression. Sure, I don't. I don't and it yeah. it was like a, I don't know why, but a couple of scenes it kind of switched to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it was maybe it happened more in in the scenes that he was like the. I did not hit her scene. I agree. Uh, I agree. He, the, just his inflection. Like, you mm-hmm. can tell he's seen that scene so many times. Yeah. He's just doing his Tommy Wiseau yeah. impression rather than playing Tommy Wiseau. That's a good... I think that's so, an astute assessment. I, I agree. So, but, I mean, uh, other than that, you know, I'm not like a big... I, don't, I just... I don't really feel strongly about Dave Franco. I can't tell if he's a good actor or not. But yeah. I, enjoy, I enjoyed him in this film. Yeah. Uh, he's not he's, particularly charismatic. He's he's what's hilarious is even though I'm not sure about him, he's so much better than Greg Sestero <laughs> yeah. is when they're doing the side I, by yeah, sides. Yeah, 
I was cracking up. Like. I, I told I told my wife I was like, this is kind of bad because it just it just makes Greg's sister look so bad as yeah, an actor. It's so flat. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. And he was a <laughs> he was a genius on screen compared to Tommy Wiseau. Maybe right. he wasn't though. Yeah. Who knows? The other thing is this movie is full of the best kind of nepotism. Uh, like everybody in this film is played by somebody famous and f- like fun. Yeah, which I enjoyed a lot. The Nathan, the Nathan Fielder <laughs> cameo, yeah, as uh, as Peter, like, dude, uh, Josh Hutchinson. I mean, so. Uh, God, what's his fucking name? Um. Oh my God. The the pretty boy from. Baywatch. Oh, Zach Efron. Zach Efron. <laughs> I didn't even recognize him at first when he shows up. So, is the level of self-parody all like all coked out and angry. That was amazing. Yeah, that was one of the funniest scenes yeah. in the movie. That scene and um, um, this I, I, that scene and then like the scene the scene where um, I'm trying Jackie Weaver who plays uh, Car- uh, Carolyn slash Claudette. Um, Lisa's mom mm-hmm. and she's like I'm not so I'm not real clear why does my character have cancer again <laughs> how does that come back in the movie yeah oh man I was dying laughing and that's the kind of inside baseball that like if you know the movie if you've seen the movie like you get it because that's the question you're like I definitely have breast cancer like and it just never comes around and you're like hmm, how did how, who who wrote this again um do we need a spoiler section for this? Like, I'm... I, well, maybe, maybe not. Like, like so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you, maybe we should. Let's right. just let's just cut it anyway because we've been mostly spoiler free and we'll just talk about whatever we want to after this. All right. So uh, we'll be right back with uh, whatever the hell we want to and also maybe spoilers if that's a real thing for the disaster artist in the room. What? Honey! Wow! Are you kidding really? me? You just ruin it every oh, time! Uh, I'll see you at home. Well, wait so a second. Rude. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? And we're back with whatever all that stuff I just said was. <laughs> so, the it's been a while since I've seen The Room. The, the discomfort I felt at that opening scene... Oh. Where, what's his name? The kid joins them in the uh, tickle fight. Denny. Uh, <laughs> it's so it brought bad. It, it brought it it's back. It's so bad. Like, all over again. And I was like, oh, no. Why? What is happening? <laughs> what, is the <laughs> su- what is the subtext here? Oh, my God. Two's fun. Three's a crowd. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. That was, that's, yeah, that's one of the, like, weirdest. The other thing is, like, this kid's supposed to be 18 in the movie, and he's treated like he's a 12-year-old. Yeah, like he's, he's about 13. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Now, so, uh, oh I think this God. is a good spoiler. So, one thing I really appreciated about the film, and um, it just kind of, like, blew my mind, is how much tension there was on set um, when he filmed the sex scene. Um which is like the opening one of the opening scenes of the movie, um, like of him just like treating her like shit. Um, everybody on set was apparently dying because he's trying to sweat them out, not giving them water. Yeah. Um, I didn't like obviously seeing the movie, you don't realize that, and that's not something that I feel like that Tommy Wiseau was ever gonna put in like a the credits or 
like you needed this book and this movie to kind of um, to kind of open that door of realization to what actually happened on the set and made it so crazy. Um, you know, him firing Sandy, uh, who that guy, he's like, this was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. Like that guy's actually been around Hollywood, you yeah. know, um, just, just an interesting played take. by Paul Shear, right? No, that's Seth Rogen's or character. Seth Rogen's, Seth Rogen's character. character. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sandy. Yeah. But like that guy, like he's done tons of interviews where he's like, uh, dude, that this is so. Paul Shear's character played Raphael. Ra- okay, that's right. He's a script yeah. supervisor mm-hmm. who's like, should I just rewrite this script? Like, this makes no sense. Like, why am I here? He's, he's like just saying things that aren't even in the script. Um, this cast, should we? We should mention the cast too. It's just, it's so loaded. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, we we mentioned. Um, Oh, Megan, Megan Mullally plays Greg's mom briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Mas, uh, Mans, how do you say his name? Massasauskas is in this. Um, as Peter. Uh, Sharon Stone, briefly. Yeah, as the casting agent. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, there's ton, There's just, I mean, there's tons of little. Uh, Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. <laughs> as his drama teacher. Just for one scene, yeah. Uh, yeah, the list goes on. Oh, Randall Park, uh, plays a, plays an actor. Yep. Um, what do I, so I, I kept trying to remember what I knew, uh, June Diane, whatever from, um, man, I can't figure it out. Oh, she looked, she's super familiar. Who? Oh, oh, June Diane. Yeah. Um. She's been on a lot of stuff. Yeah, it, it's uh It's it's all her. So. Another period. You like that show? Or? Well, another period, but also, man, it's going back. Inside Amy Schumer. Uh, that. Funny or Die. Yes, that too. Uh, two episodes of Party Down. But, Party uh, Down, yeah, love that. You're uh, probably your one of your all time, all time favorite shows. Um, Ed. Burn, Burning Love. That's what I know her from. What is that? <laughs> that's something I had in college. It's yeah. Sounds like totally. an STD. So it is a. Apparently hasn't even been canceled yet. Basically, it's a dating show parody, like a oh, okay. Bachelorette parody. What a perfect title for that show! But it's uh, Michael Ian Black plays the host, and Ken Marino. Oh God! Uh, and two of my favorites is, is like the the bachelor that makes it, but she's the bachelorette, okay. basically for the show. So yeah. she's done a lot of stuff with these with with these uh, that same group of people. Yeah, yeah. June Diane Raphael. Um, yeah, man, Jason, yeah, Manzukas, Nathan Fielder, uh, Melanie Griffith, who does not look good. No, uh, uh Hannibal, Hannibal, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you've been, you've been watching, uh, Superstore. Did you catch Lauren Ash? Lauren Ash, yeah. Um, well, You're I, my I, best customer. I actually, yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I saw this movie back in December uh, and then I just recently started watching Superstore. And I was uh, like, oh, that's a chick. That's the chick from 
Um, <laughs> that one scene. Yeah, that one scene. Um, the one thing that so the the one thing about this movie I, that kind of but did bother me is I thought Allison Bree's character was completely wasted. Um, like they use her as a love interest to make Tommy seem jealous, and I don't obviously I I've never read the Disaster Artist book so I don't know how that goes, but it just seems like in the movie in the context of what's happening, like I don't know. It was seems she's basically a plot device to get. Dave, Dave Franco, the job with Brian Cranston well, to cause I, drama. I mean, yes and no. Also to, I think she highlights Tommy's in, insecurity is what she's there for because that first interaction when they're flirting at the bar, you know, he has to usher Greg away yeah. and then the dinner and he, you know, he's kind of weird and possessive and uh, yeah. I mean, it, it ends up with that interaction kind of being the turning point for Greg's commitment. Yeah. And maybe the death or kind of dictating the, or foreshadowing the future uh, of his career in Hollywood. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say she was only a plot device. Um, are they I, married, by the way? Dave Franco and... I know they've been... They've dated for I don't like, know. forever. That's a good question. Um, if they're not, he should. And he, and he should call her Annie all the time. Um, I just... I I don't know, man. I still don't... I, I, I see what you're saying, but I just don't feel like that character is... Offers a lot on screen. Like, I think I love Alison Brie as an actress. I think she's she's great, but I just don't think that there was. I mean, she doesn't, and it's, she's not memorable in that role at all. No, I, I mean I don't. Yeah, I she's don't in really... a good chunk of the movie too. Like, yeah, she's. I mean, maybe more than the other supporting characters that are outside of the context of the room. Sure, but yeah, I mean, I don't think she adds a whole lot. Uh, but then again, I don't think she's supposed to. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. She's a metaphor for for Hollywood. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, uh, I'm glad you liked it because I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm interested to see like when I plot out my top ten where this falls, if it makes it, if it does where it falls in that top ten because – um, like you said, it probably is the funniest movie, the best comedy that we've seen all year. Um, and I didn't, I, I would like you going into this movie. I expected it to be a little over the top and to be a lot less reverent to Tommy Musso and a lot less grounded than it actually was. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know if reverent is the, the right word, but to, Yeah. Not I wasn't expecting it to humanize him, right? In yeah. in the way it does, because it it's easy to sort of take him out of context and just see him as a like a fucking alien. Yeah, yeah. Because he is a weird guy or an egomaniac. Yeah, uh, sure. yeah. Um, and I, honestly, like that's kind of like uh, I don't. Know. In a lot of ways, I feel like that has kind of been uh, a theme of the year uh, is like humanizing characters um, for me. Like in a lot of the movies that I. I liked um, like three billboards. It's like humanizing characters that have a lot of times 
are easy to blow up and make into disgusting or unattractive human beings. Um, yeah, anything else about disaster artists you want to say? Uh, no, I mean, man, every once in a while I'll go, I, like, I really want to read the book. Yeah, I, so If I. Any, anybody who's read the book, write in and tell us what we don't know about Tommy Wusso. Because, so at, at one point I did, I did a bunch of reading about people's speculation as far as his, uh, his, like, where he's from and how he reached the U.S. So somewhere in Eastern Europe and he lived in France for a period. Mm-hmm before he emigrated here but more interesting are the theories about his money yeah Uh, and i I guess greg in the book and again i've never read it this is just what other i've seen other people mention kind of disputes the fact that, that there's always been rumors that he was involved in you know organized crime yeah or that he yeah was involved in like uh, knock like selling knockoffs or import avoiding <laughs> import duties and yeah. uh, or export duties or you know something something like that and I think Greg is kind of doesn't indicated that that's not true but there was oh, man hold on so that sign you remember when they go into the apartment and there's that sign on like one of the shelves. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's for, yeah, <laughs> street fashions. So that is, I think, his company, which sold jeans. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so he confirmed. All right. So there's a documentary on him called Roomful of Spoons, and the in that film they the filmmaker claims that he's they figured out that he's Polish. Uh, but I guess Wusso this year finally said long story short, <laughs> I grew up in Europe a long time ago, but I'm now I'm American and very proud of it. Uh, okay. That's that narrows <laughs> Europe. That narrows it down. Yeah, so he's <laughs> He ran a business called Street Fashions USA that resold irregular blue jeans at discounts. <laughs> uh, and then oh. he eventually pur- so this is this is what he his story. He eventually purchased and rented out large retail spaces in and around San Francisco and LA making him independently wealthy. So what I think what we do know at this point is that he at some point before the real estate boom in LA and San Francisco he acquired properties. Right. Yeah. Whether he purchased them outright, we don't know. And some people speculate, I guess he was in business with somebody else for street fashions and the guy died. Oh. And they think maybe he inherited He killed him? N- well, no, it was like he was he's gay. It's oh. really the rumor. It was oh. his partner. Interesting. And he inherited this guy like everything this guy owned and then when the real estate ah. boom happened, he was all, he was suddenly rich. Wow! And so that that's the that's, most that's the most that's interesting. Really interesting, yeah. Yeah, but but I guess really nobody he he made a lot of money 
quickly and nobody knows like the time frame doesn't work like he something happened he wasn't it wasn't through selling blue jeans <laughs> yeah uh from right. street fashions usa uh yeah so it, it's interesting and still nobody knows how old he is uh and it, he looks like he's had plastic surgery but nobody really knows well uh, i mean the guy wears sunglasses all the time and has long scraggly black hair that hangs in his face so well so i guess Sestro. I don't know if he released the date, but he says, Sestro says his brother's girlfriend obtained copies of Rousseau's immigration papers. And all he'll say is that he was born much earlier than he claimed somewhere in the Eastern Bloc in the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> Which you you can see. He, he looks like he's, I mean, it's been 18 years, but he's he's aged a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he has. I mean, when he made the movie, he looked like he was in his 40s. So it's not like yeah. to say he's 60 is like wouldn't be a stretch in my in my mind. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he's if he's not in his early 60s, he's got to be close to 60. Um, right. I would guess. Yeah. Um, um, 50s, late 50s, something like that. Well, hopefully he he has a biography and he doesn't leave this world without us knowing exactly where he came from and exactly how he made his money. Because we need to know that. As fans of the disaster artists in the room, we need to know, Colin. Well, the other so the other thing that I didn't realize before this film, even having read about Tommy Rousseau, is they, they mention a, a car crash or something like that, right? Yeah. And that's the turning point. Right. Uh, people think that maybe he had this like serious brain damage that has contributed uh, to his yeah. weird affectations and his bizarre behavior. Uh, his two belts. Yeah. I mean, two, but there, it was like two belts with a row of belts <laughs> connecting the belts. <laughs> but, uh, nobody, I guess, again, there's no confirmation or there's no evidence, but, uh, he claims to have been involved in a near fatal car crash uh, and was hospitalized for several weeks. And Sestro thinks that it was the turning point in his life where he, after he recovered, all of a sudden he tried to make it in the film nice. business. Like he's finally like, I got to follow my dream. You never know when you're going to die kind of thing. Maybe or maybe not. Like he... <laughs> Uh, just like he decided it was a good idea, or I don't know. Um, well, who knows? But maybe maybe we got the old. Uh, I mean, it's sad, but got a little bit of the Busey abusey situation oh, yeah. going on. Yeah. Or he he wasn't the same person. Impulsive, maybe. Um, you know, but whatever it means, whatever. I mean, I I'm glad that uh, we have what we have. I mean, I'm glad we have this. It's nice to have mysteries in this yeah, day and age. It you is. Know? When, yeah. In this, in this world where you can Google anything, it's yeah. nice to, to ponder what, you know, who is Tommy Wiseau? Why is he the way he is? What is that accent? That's the other thing too. And it makes sense if there was some kind of brain injury. Cause it's not like an, the, the thing is like, generally when you hear an accent, you, you know, maybe, oh, okay, that's from Eastern Europe. Yeah. And somebody who is really good with those could be like that. Oh yeah, that's definitely this. 
you know, I could pick out a French accent, I could pick out a German accent, but with he, it's almost like he has a speech impediment on top of an accent. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, but glad you saw this film. Glad we got to finally review it. I it's early December. I mean, I saw this movie. Yeah, man. Um, I'm I'm behind the ball. I know. I'm glad it's still showing in Cincinnati. Yeah. Honestly, I'm. It's like a small miracle. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, showing a couple different places. I mean, not a whole not a whole lot of screenings, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you're gonna. We're, I'm not sure what we're gonna review next week. Um, we'll figure that out along the way, I guess. Um, but you're gonna try to catch up on some things. Hopefully, in two weeks, uh, we'll have a best of 2017 show. Let us get caught up on some movies here. Uh, give you some time to watch some movies if you're in a smaller town like we are which is we're not even in a small town just it's so annoying small midwest town of uh a you know combined i guess a population of like two million when you factor the suburbs you know whatever you know what's so annoying too is i keep seeing ads for phantom thread on tv twitter facebook and it's like (laughs) I, quit advertising. I want to see the movie. You won't let me. I love when we go to theaters and they have posters up for movies it, they it, are not not right. playing here. It's like... Fuck you guys. Slap in the freaking face, man. Yeah. Um, all right, anything else? No, I I think that's, uh, that's a good place to end. All right, me too, Colin. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Midnight Film Review. We will catch you on the flip side. Bye, Mark. <laughs>